Inside Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us. Coming up on this episode of Red Business, a hairdresser with a very real difference down in Clonakilty in West Cork. We speak to a 20-year-old who has risen to the position of managing director at a very young age. And we're also going to hear about a big event at Parky Cueve where people are being encouraged to bring conferences to Cork. But we're going to start with a really exciting new company unveiled in Cork this week, Great Island Productions, which is a TV production company with plans to create 20 jobs and bring original content to a global audience from Munster. It was set up by Mark Kenny and Jim Robinson, and Mark is with me now. Mark Kenny, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm great, thanks. It's lovely to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the TV production game. Uh, well, I graduated in 1990 from UCD and I went straight into an animation startup company called Animediate Show. I worked with them for about two years and then I went into live action production in Dublin. I formed a small little uh, production company called uh, Pukan Productions and uh, we did short films for a few years. And then I subsequently moved back to Cork, opened a bar, and then I went back to Dublin after about three years of that. And I uh, joined uh, Shinnawil in Dublin, and we were producing um, Eurostar at the time. And then I took that with, uh, with with Digicel, I took that out to the Caribbean, that format, um, Eurostar, and it became Rising Stars. And I did that for a number of seasons out in the Caribbean and decided that there was an opportunity there. So... I started my own production company out in the Caribbean and for over 10 years I produced about 50 hours of live TV per year and then I came back to Cork um, just prior to COVID um, and I'm here since and uh, hence I started Great Island with, okay, with Jim now, Robinson. I've got a back up the truck as my old friend yeah. George Hook used to say there 50 <laughs> hours of live television I, I, you didn't do that on your own so you had a pretty big operation with you yeah, we had a large team of people. That, that, that was over three separate productions. Um, it was a, a dance hall, a music production, Rising Stars itself. And then I had a boxing show, um, which ran 16 weeks uh, per year. So, And some of them crossed over. So, yeah, it was very busy. So I probably had about, you know, 50 to 80 people working on the shows over the course of the year. You know, um, so it was pretty full on, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine it was, and and these were successful shows as well. They, they all you can make yeah, television they, all you want; people have to watch it. Yeah, they were there. I mean, they were regularly the top three shows in, in Jamaica and the Caribbean, and um, some of them were actually broadcast in the US as well on uh, the Caribbean International Network in New York in the tri-state area. So, yeah, they, they were very successful, thankfully, yeah. Okay, so you came back to Cork uh, just before COVID. So, you, you, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I won't say you got stuck here because, you know, it's obviously great that you're back in Cork. But wh- yeah. where, where did the idea for Great Island come from? Well, uh, you know, I used to come home um, quite regularly from the Caribbean at Christmas. You know, I'd be home for most Christmases. And, uh, you know, I always um, wanted to come back and start something in Cork and... Uh, growing up in Cove and the Harbour area, I, you know, I always thought that there was a great drama in somewhere in in the harbour itself, given all the types of different types of industry that goes on there and the type of interaction that they all have with each other. I just thought there was a, a story there that hadn't been told. And, uh, you know, a couple of Christmases ago, I'd spoken to Jim uh, Robinson about the idea of starting something in Ireland and then Cove just accelerated it really, you know. Um, so we sat down in lockdown and we put a plan together for Great Island and we started it in June 20. 
there's been a bit um, of a rush towards production in Ireland, and that's a good thing because we well, obviously mm-hmm. Game of Thrones was a huge success in in mm-hmm. Belfast. Uh, Troy Studios out of Limerick is good. There's a big one going into the Midlands as well. Cork yeah. kind of got left behind. We had the Young Offenders as a production that was made here jointly by mm-hmm. RTE and the BBC. So is there a bit of a gap in the market down this part of the country where we haven't really been producing television in the same way that other parts have? You know, for, for some reason, Cork just seems to have been left behind in terms of, you know, what's happened in the rest of the country. And, you know, what's happened in Ireland um, in the last 10 years has been phenomenal uh, in terms of animation and live action production, and particularly animation, of course, with Cartoon Saloon and Brown Bag. But um, Cork somehow just didn't get on that train. There's, you know, there's no major um, production companies operating in Cork. Um, there's no animation uh, studios operating at, at the kind of level that there are in the rest of the country and we also saw that as an opportunity of course um, because we were convinced that the talent was here in terms of creative and writing talent um, and maybe that there just wasn't enough producers or enough people in Cork who had the kind of business acumen or the, or the business side down that they could actually take that creative talent and formulate it for a global market, which the rest of the country has, has successfully done. So how do you go about picking what projects to work on? Because you, you have a number on the slate, as they say. So what are you yeah. working on in this initial tranche? Well, we we have, uh, you know, projects across animation, live action and um, entertainment formats. Uh, so we were very lucky in that Jim had had quite a bit of experience of acting and producing short films in Cork, and he had access to an awful lot of, of young, talented writers who, I suppose, prior to the setting up of Great Island, had very little um, opportunity to show their work or to get their work developed. Um, so we contacted a lot of um, those writers and we asked if they had any projects that they'd be interested in working with us on. And we now have, um, I think, a portfolio of over 12 projects, which we have in development across those three um, aspects of live action, animation and and formats. Okay. So, um, you know, we were convinced um, very early on, once we saw the quality of the writing that was coming across our desks, that we were onto something here, you know. Uh, you, you're talking about 20 jobs uh, being created directly, mm-hmm. but if you start production, then you've got a whole lot more, don't you? So th- this could be an entire new sector for Cork I mean, and, and indeed the wider Munster region if you get it right. And it's not all necessarily about putting something on RTE or Virgin Media, is it? No, I mean, you know, obviously um, RTE and Virgin have been fantastic in terms of their support for, for local drama and animation and um, of course we'd love to work with them as well but we have a focus on the global market through the advent of the streaming sector which has obviously has become extremely important in the, especially in the last five to ten years um, so we have a focus on the you know the apples and Net, uh, Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime etc um, and they have been active here as well in, in doing live action um, co-productions with companies um, in, in Dublin more, uh, uh, I suppose, in Dublin in general. So uh, we're definitely going to tap into that market as well. Okay, well, best of luck with it. What's the website if people want to look up what you guys are doing? Um, greatislandproductions.com. It'll be live today, and uh, hopefully people will be able to see what work we have. And, of course, there is an opportunity on the website to reach out to us if you have, if you're living in Cork and Munster and, and you have any ideas at all for TV production, 
uh, writing or creation, we'd love to hear from you and, we, and talk to you. Okay, Mark Kenny, uh, indeed your partner Jim Robinson, not with us, but we'll salute him anyway. Thank you very yes. much for joining us and the best luck with Great Island. Cheers. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Take care. Every parent knows how difficult it can be to get your child's hair cut because they wriggle and they move and they cry and they throw their head at every little distraction. I am suffering a little bit from post-traumatic stress here, but imagine how difficult it is if your child has particular sensory needs. And with this in mind, my next guest has opened a new salon in Clonakilty. It's called Flourish and Be. Emma Connolly, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. So tell me a little about about why you came up with the idea for Flourish and Be. Okay, so um, I'm an occupational therapist, okay, um, and we opened Flourish and Be last December in Clonakilty. It's the first occupational therapy-led hair salon in the country. So it's open to everyone of all ages, but with a particular focus on children and people with sensory differences. So this is bespoke, it's sensory inclusive and it's fully accessible hair salon. And what sets us apart then from other hair salons is that we're evidence based and tailor our service to the individual needs of each person. So I suppose just in line with my work, working with families with needs of all ages, what's really important to us um, is that parents in particular feel supported and that they're not judged or under any pressure and that children and young adults feel safe and understood. Mm. So any accommodations that may need to be put in place are done so in advance following a pre-appointment consultation to ensure a smooth and enjoyable experience okay. for everybody. But that, that, I'm going to roll it back slightly, Emma, because there is a difference between the okay. experience that you'd have if you have a child who just doesn't like the hairdresser versus a child okay. who has additional needs, who perhaps needs that little bit of extra support. So how do you go about assessing those needs and, and and effectively getting them into the chair so that they're comfortable. So what we do is we do a pre-appointment consultation. Okay, so I'm an OT. I go through the whole process with the family. I hear the family firsthand in terms of what it is that they need, what is the difficulty the child is experiencing, and I offer advice and guidance around that. And then we tailor our service particularly around the needs of that particular child. So each child will have a different need. Each child will have a different preference and also a different um, difference that they don't like. And so we tailor our service then according to that. Um, everything is done beforehand before they come in. Um, if we need to change the service in the moment, we can do that. Sometimes families need to come back a second time. We can do that as well. Um, so it's really bespoke and tailored towards the individual needs of the mm. client. Uh, how long does it take, though? I mean, it, it sounds like it, it is definitely more effort than you'd put in for a normal haircut. Um, but are, are the results worth the extra effort? Absolutely. I suppose it does take more time. Um, and I suppose that's why we opened. And that's that's the nature of our business is to support families. So we don't put a pressure on time. If it takes the child six times to come into the salon before they get the haircut, that's a win for us. Okay, so it's about the overall experience. It's not just about getting a haircut. So the haircut is the end goal. Our service is more tailored to support the families, to encourage them to build on the skills that's needed in order for them to get haircuts for the rest of their lives. Okay. okay? So you might you might need to get your haircut somewhere else in a different country that doesn't have this um, service. So what we're doing is we're working on the underlying skills. Okay. Do, does somebody have to have a diagnosis to come to you? Because there are many children out there 
who who might very well be undiagnosed or who have particular sensory issues about going to uh, the dentist but they don't have uh, effectively a piece of paper or a doctor having told them mm-hmm. that this is the issue mm-hmm. that you have. Do you accept anybody coming through the door or how do you go about getting in? Absolutely. So our business is open for everybody. So it's an inclusive salon regardless of your needs. So we have children who and adults who don't have any needs and they just want a fun experience and they come in and they have a great time and they play with the toys and they watch programs or play video games. And then we have children who have clear needs but are undiagnosed. But we always work on the individual person. So it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what's the need as such, um, we work on the individual needs and the individual support supports that okay. that child would need. So and no, you don't need a diagnosis, absolutely not. Okay, and the other thing then is hair salons, they're noisy. Uh, you've got buzzy razors that yeah. come next to your ear, you've got hair dryers, mm-hmm. you've got, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't like getting your hair, what you're getting your hair, what, uh, did you have to get in special equipment to, to cope with all of that? Yeah, so this isn't a standard salon, so there's a lot of work involved in bringing all the sensory elements and the child-friendly fittings together um, while still retaining the salon functionality. So the equipment we use has been very carefully sourced. It has the lowest decibel level available on the market. It allows for calmer, quieter space. We don't have loud music on. We have replaced all our fluorescent lighting with dimmable LED fittings. Um, and we have sensory stations, bubble tubes, fiber optic lighting. Um, and the whole environment is adapted to be a very calm and relaxing space. I have to say, I mean, I didn't know what journey we were going to go at the start of this conversation, but I'm really glad that we went on the one that we did because that you've mm-hmm. taken such time and effort to put together this business is is no doubt of huge relief to the customers you have and is something that others desperately need out there because it can be one mm-hmm. of the most stressful things with any parent. Mm-hmm. But if you have a child with additional mm-hmm. needs, then to have somewhere to go is incredible. So congratulations on, on setting Thanks up Flourish and Be. If you're looking for more Thank details, you. the website is flourishandbe.ie and all your contact details, I'm presuming, are up there, Emma. Correct. Okay, brilliant. Well, good luck with the business down in Clonakilty. Thank you so much for taking the time. Emma Connolly of Flourish and Be. Thanks Thanks, for joining us. Thank you. He's just 20 years old, but he's already climbed the corporate ladder to the highest rung. Jack O'Regan Kenny has been announced as the new managing director of Patch. Now, Patch is a non-profit organisation developing and nurturing entrepreneurial and technologically minded young people. Jack, congratulations to you. First of all, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. It's a it's a weird experience being kind of running a program that uh, I actually previously took part in. Well, uh, look, as I said, that is the uh, ultimate success is that the uh, the student becomes the teacher in many ways. And that's what you've done. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get involved in Patch? Yeah, so I took part in Patch um, about two or three years ago now. Um, I kind of just saw the application. A few people had sent it to me and I, I took a punch. Um, I, I didn't think I'd actually get in. Um, I didn't feel like a particularly smart kid, but um, I managed to get in and I, I worked on a project called Mirror, which was a touchscreen smart mirror. Um, that went well. We continued on as business, um, wrapped it up this year, and I ended up going into kind of engineering for Dogpatch Labs, where Patch was ran out of. Um, through there, I kind of helped out on the, the program this previous year, and um, ended up 
helping enough that I, I'm pressed and was offered the, the position. Okay, at 20? Yeah. Yeah. Um, shouldn't you be out, I mean, again, not wishing to sound like the old man of the hill here, but shouldn't you be out enjoying yourself, young man? I, I think I'm getting to. Um, like Running Mirror, and I had another startup called VC Hunt, which I sold. Um, there wasn't really much time for social activity. So um, now in this role, I'm kind of nine to five and like all my college like all my friends who are in college are doing the same kind of nine to five and then a bit of study so i think i'm getting the social life that uh, i was missing out on previously yeah. but at the same time though uh, you, as you say your friends are all in college doing the college you think i mean are you viewing this as your education technically you've just happened to become a managing director instead yeah i suppose um a lot of patches meeting like really interesting people who've kind of been there and done that and, and you learn a lot from them um like even being in patch i think i learned quite a lot um it was definitely like a more dense learning experience than anything else i've had um and like daily i'm meeting really cool people who are teaching me lots of things so it is kind of an education in a way yeah i is there a bit of I, I, I'm, I'm accusing myself of this a little bit of patronization going on sure look you're only 20 what would you know I mean do, do you suffer a little bit from that or once people start to talk to you they realise okay this guy actually does know what he's talking about and, and I, I need to trust him yeah I, I think there's an element of kind of some people have to put their faith in you and they, they might be a bit hesitant but uh, overall I think um, like the response to young people um, especially with patch like we're, we're for 16 to 21 year olds and they're all everyone that takes part is always building something amazing so there is kind of a a trust there and i don't think anyone finds them anyone in the circle or around patch finds themselves too heavily patronized yeah, yeah, yeah which is good i like that um yeah. you're from cork originally so where in cork are you from yeah so um i'm kind of my, my granddad's from skibreen i spent a lot of time when i was young um in Cork. Um, I ended up going to school in Mullingar, um, but yeah, I, I would have spent summers, long weekends, basically all the time I had where I, I didn't have to be in school in, in Skibreen and Tregumna, um, which was great. So um, all, all of the best all of the best influence in your life came from Cork, uh, even though you were you were living in Mullingar. Um, where yeah. do you want to take the business now? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a social enterprise, it's a non-profit organisation, but w where is Patch going under Jack O'Regan Kenny? Yeah, so for me, I want to kind of expand um, and try and support as many young people as, as possible. Like Patch for me was really um, like a tool that unlocked my confidence and, and kind of gave me this faith in myself that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a 16-year-old kid who can kind of build stuff. And um, that's actually a skill, even though for me, it wasn't really, you know, I, I was thinking more about leaving search maths and, and Irish. Um, and I think... I think education is great, but for me, it, it just wasn't there. And um, there's lots of people in Ireland and Northern Ireland that might feel that way. And these really talented young people that need to be unlocked. So for me, it's expanding the program. We This year, we're running our, our biggest ever, 36 uh, participants, uh, as well as uh, hopefully launching new programs in the coming months um, to help those that maybe don't get into patch um, that we can't facilitate quite yet give them, I don't know, money to kick off a project or introduce them and get them on kind of a short program to 
really just help identify talent in Ireland, yeah. uh, in, in the whole island of Ireland and unlock it. Well, it's interesting that the, the whole programme, the Accelerator, is backed by Stripe and the Collison Brothers are the best example out there of the type of talent we have in Ireland. And if you nurture it the right way, uh, the world is literally your oyster. Best of luck. Where can people find out more information, Jack, if, uh, if they think it's for them or for someone else in their family? Yeah, um, anyone can find all the info on joinpatch.org um, and if they know anyone if they think they're ambitious or they know anyone ambitious you know we'd love to hear from them um, throw in an application even if you don't get it we'll, and something pops up that might be suitable we'll, we'll get on to you okay brilliant stuff thanks so much for joining us Jack O'Regan Kenny of Patch thank you <laughs> The corporate events sector generated about 14.5 million euro for the local economy in Cork last year and the Cork Convention Bureau is calling on businesses to think of Cork if they're organising events and conferences. The 8th Annual Business Tourism Showcase, Keep Cork Moving, takes place at Parky Keeve on Thursday the 30th of March from 7.30 to 11.30am. They have a terrible MC but they don't know it yet, it's me. Seamus Heaney, the head of Pure Cork, is with me now. How are you Seamus? Hi Jonathan, how are you? I'm very good. I've been at this event previously and there's a great atmosphere in the room because you've got all of the providers of the services right around Cork and everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, they are, you know, and it's great. We haven't had it since 2019 for obvious reasons and um, it's great to be back doing it this year. And, you know, I'd always say like while the tourism industry was damaged by COVID and the leisure side of it came back pretty quickly, the business tourism side of it is still um, slow to recover and there's a longer lead-in time for most of these corporate events. Uh, so that's the more damaged side of, of our industry. And, and so it's the, great to have it back. Yeah, it is great to have it back. And you, you talk about the lead-in time. Um, yeah, people who decide to come to Cork for the weekend might decide that two months out. But if you're organising right. a big conference, it takes a lot longer. It does. Any of these corporate events or conferences, they could take anything you know, between 12 months and five years. The lead time has come down a little bit um, post-COVID, but still you're, you're looking at a longer lead in time. So who exactly is going to be coming to this event? So I suppose we came up with this idea a couple of years ago. This is our eighth year um, that you mentioned of having Keep Cork meeting. We looked at it eight years ago as a, as a showcase for the tourism industry in Cork to, to showcase Cork to the corporate market that's already in Cork. So these would be the big companies in Cork, the Apples, the and even the small companies, you know. But just to have a look at look at Cork in a different light, some things that they may have never known that's available. For argument's sake, there could be an activity provider that's available in Kinsale or West Cork that they never even thought of. Um, and then they're looking at hotels. And while they look at hotels for bedrooms only, they may not see the other ancillary side of their, their business, which might be team building or they might have clay pigeon shooting on, on the grounds or whatever else. Okay, now never try clay pigeon shooting. That's that's, yeah. that's quite, <laughs> quite, quite dangerous if you let yeah. me at it. But uh, yeah, yeah. the whole point is that there's a vast array of things that you can do in Cork and you may have people within your team, both here and abroad, who would benefit from it. So if we're looking at 14.5 million euros worth, I'm presuming the only way you want that figure to go is up. So every extra not, body yeah. that comes adds value. Yeah, it does. And I mean, a, a business tourist to a region like Cork is worth about 1,780 euros. And that's a fair value. So most of them come for three or four. If you're coming internationally, you're going to be here for possibly four days. Um, 
and then on site, like everybody looks at the tourism industry, I suppose, as just a hotel room. But the hotel room is such a small part of it. The bigger part is the other spends, the shopping, what they buy while they're here, the the um, the activity providers they go to see, and then the services that they they use, say AVC and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, while they are here. So the, there's plenty out there. Uh, look, the other side of it is Dublin gets a huge chunk of this because they have better facilities. They tell us now. We know that that's not true. Yeah, but, yeah, that, uh, yeah. How, it is how, definitely not true. How can Cork compete with the draw of the capital city? Do you know what? To be fair, Cork is punching above its weight. Um, the, the industry has recovered pretty well post-COVID. But even during COVID and the, the short periods of time that the government allowed um, hotels to reopen, Cork did very well from a domestic point of view. But internationally, our only biggest drawback, I suppose, when you look at the likes of Dublin, is we don't have... We have international flights, and I just want to be very careful of that. We have good connectivity to Europe, but where we're, we always struggle is with places like um, the US. We don't have direct access to the US, but we have great, great hubbing into Amsterdam, London, Paris, um, into Cork and into Dublin, um, from Dublin. Yeah. So we, we do punch above our weight in it, but again, Cork is possibly better value. Definitely hotels are better value, um, and they're not as, um, and I think they're fairly competitive. Um, and then you have an awful lot of extra services that you can do, and you know it's we we everybody everybody in the hotel business in Cork knows everybody else, so they can always help the client to get whatever they need, whether it's been a reservation yeah, or you know if some place is full, they can get them in there. Seamus, you know, it never say it, but Cork is way sounder than Dublin, and that's why they should come here, and that's the most important thing. That next big that's conference that's it. coming in, by the way, that next big yeah. conference could have been that phone call. So I better leave you go and find out who that was. Keep Cork meeting is happening at Parky Creeve Thursday, thirtieth of March, seven thirty to eleven thirty a.m. I'm going to be there along with Seamus. How can people find out more about it if they want to go? Okay, so they can register if you look at the Cork Convention Bureau dot com or visit Cork or the Pure Cork page, there's registration on that. Registration is free for anybody attending um, and we're providing breakfast and everything else. So it's a great way to find out what's in Cork. And I can bet anybody that does attend will leave, including yourself, saying... God, I didn't know that was there. Well, you had me at breakfast, but anyway, the rest of it sounds interesting <laughs> okay. too. Seamus Heaney, Head of Thank Visit you. Cork, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's it from this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Fiona Corker Donnelly was the producer, and we will catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.